Here we go. Awaken the spirit of the earth. I feel you grow in me. We'll do that again. Awaken the spirit of the earth. I feel you grow in me. The sun. Awaken the spirit of the sun. Burn. I feel you burning me again. Awaken the spirit of the sun. I feel you burning me. The chorus. I am home. I am home. I am home. I am home again. I am home. I am home. I am home. I am home. The rain. Awaken the spirit of the rain. I feel you flow in me. The rain flow. Awaken the spirit of the rain. I feel you flow in me. Air, wind. Awaken the spirit of the wind. I feel you blow through me. Awaken spirit of the wind, I feel you blow through me. I am home, I am home, I am home, I am home, I am home. top. Awaken spirit of the earth, I feel you grow in me. Awaken spirit of the earth, I feel you feel it grow in me. Awaken the spirit of the sun, I feel you burn in me. Awaken the spirit of the sun, I feel you burn in me.
Rain. Awaken, spirit of the rain. I feel you flow in me. Awaken, spirit of the rain. I feel you flow in me. Awaken, spirit of the wind, I feel you blow through me. Awaken, spirit of the wind, I feel you blow through me. We are home, yes we are home, we are home, we are home, we are
when, when we come on retreat, we bring all of our stuff with us. And we bring all the walls that we know how to erect to protect us. We bring all of those too. But if we get um, quiet enough, still enough, and uh, present enough, we start um, <coughs> cracking. We start cracking open a little bit, which is scary for us because we're used to being walled in. And sometimes the light comes flooding right in. Like yesterday, all of us sitting on the mountain, kind of spread out in the trees. And and, and we thought it was wonderful to sit on the mountain with our friends in the trees and look at a lake and at mountains, and it was wonderful. The light just flowed in, didn't it? Yeah. What happens to us when we come on retreat and we let it, uh, that protection down, we let ourselves crack open a little bit, be a little bit vulnerable, we get um, tender. You know, I listen to BK's songs. I've heard all of his songs a lot of times. And when I listen in my car or, or listen at home, I don't cry. But when I'm here with you and you're so good and you're so good I get all teary so at first I thought let's take those things away <laughs> of course that's not the answer it's not the answer is it answer is to be right here, be right here, right now in this place where Mike pointed out to us last night, we're safe, we're vulnerable, we're tender, you can hurt us real easily because we're open, we've opened up all of those walls, but we're safe because we're here with each other. We're here with really you, good, beautiful, kind, compassionate, generous you. We're all here together like that. So of course we feel teary. Of course we feel vulnerable. Of course we're easily hurt and easily joyed. We laugh at Four people trying to fix the whatever alarm. 
We laugh at the littlest things. It snowed on me today. That's why I'm the most tender. Little snowflakes. It happened today. And I saw three deer. They were hanging around about my house, but when I came up, they didn't want to visit, but they, they were there. And we had four people, four beautiful young women who want to commit to following these five trainings. It's a beautiful, beautiful, vulnerable, tender, snowy, cozy day. And we're hanging out with just the right people in just the right place. This homage um, to Thai is from my Dharma sister, Rhonda Goodrich. Um, and, and she's quoting from Thai uh, from his book, At Home in the World. Thai writes, I have a disciple in Vietnam who wants to build a stupa for my ashes when I die. He and others want to include a plaque with a word that says, here lies my beloved teacher. I told him not to waste the temple land. Do not put me in a small pot and put me in there. I said, I don't want to continue like that. It would be better to scatter the ashes outside to help the trees grow. I suggested that if they still insist on building a stupa, they could have the plaque say, I am not in here. (laughs) But Ty says, but in case people don't get it, they could add a second plaque that says, I am not out there either. If people still don't understand, then you can write on the third and last plaque, I may be found in your way of breathing and walking. So we pay homage to our wise, funny teacher, Technakan. We come now to the last of the four great bodhisattvas. Bodhisattva Kiri Garba. Oh, I lost it. I lost it. Um, his name is usually translated as Earth Store because of his earth like character vastness, stillness, patience, deepness, equanimity, generosity. Like Mother Earth, Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba is to make countless things grow. Like Mother Earth, he has endless, boundless treasures for us to uncover. 
Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba has made the focus of his work freeing all beings, but especially those who are suffering from the most intense pain, as well as those who are, for various reasons, very difficult to help. So his aspiration is to free all people who suffer, but also all animals, plants, and minerals, to save our Mother Earth. Because of his deep yearning in our tradition, Kasidi Garba is called the Bodhisattva of Great Aspiration. BK's original song dedicated to um, Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba is based on a portion of a poem written from our Dharma uh, brother, John Snyder, who had ALS and, um, and wrote this poem and several others that you can find uh, at Amazon. Uh, he wore a little gimme cap that had a light on it, and he was able to, to use that connection with the computer. So he wrote, um, John died of complications of ALS in March of 2017. This, um, the poem that um, BK used is called Two Arrows. And it refers to the Buddha's teachings about how we receive pain, we receive suffering, and that's the first arrow, and it hurts. But what hurts even more is when we shoot ourselves with the second arrow. And the second arrow is the stories we tell ourselves about that first pain, about that suffering, about that first arrow. So enjoy BK's two arrows. Every being in this mad time lives with an arrow in its heart. So said Gautama Buddha, learn to take these arrows out, then help others do the same. Hate. Fear and anger, he said, are like a second arrow beside the first. Take them out, take these arrows out, take them out, take them out. Every being in this mad time lives with an arrow 
in its heart. So said Gautama Buddha, learn to take these arrows out, then help others do the same. Hate, fear, and anger, he said, I lack a second arrow. Beside the first, take them out, take these arrows out, take them out, take them out. There's no time to argue the fine points of archery. Move out into this world as wounded healers. The world needs this medicine. The strength of your dream. The slowness to judge, quickness to bless. Take them out. Take these arrows out, take them out, take them out, take them out, take these arrows out, take them out, take them out, yes, take them out, take these arrows out. Take them out, take these arrows out. and confidence in Kasidi Garba that he asked him to be the next headmaster or CEO of Buddhism. <laughs> From when he, Shakyamuni, died until Maitreya, the next Buddha to be born on earth, arrived. So let's listen to a conversation between Shakyamuni Buddha and Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba. I wasn't there. <laughs> That's what I think they said. Buddha said, Kasidi Garba, find ways to liberate all beings from now until the time when Maitreya comes into the world. Help all of them escape suffering forever, including those who suffer immensely. Help even the intractable ones, the ones who are difficult to free from suffering. 
Obstinate beings are like fish swimming through waters laced with nets. They may slip through, but sooner or later they'll get caught. I'm concerned about such beings. Kasidi Garba, world-honored one. Throughout long eons, I've been receiving the Buddha's guidance and from that have developed inconceivable spiritual power and great wisdom. I vow never to give up on beings who are suffering with intense physical or emotional pain. I teach and transform obstinate beings. I cause their minds to be subdued so they renounce the corrupt and return to the proper. One or two of them out of ten still cling to their bad habits and some who encounter hardship make their hardship suffering bigger with their every thought, but I don't give up on them. And a few beings use up the wholesome benefits they gain and end up retreating from their initial wholesome resolve, but for them I use numerous expedient means. And some are like people trying to carry heavy rocks while walking through mud. Each step becomes more difficult and the rocks become more cumbersome as their feet sink deeper. But I show them how to lighten or even totally remove their burdens. Helping them thus, I urge them to step on solid ground. And I point out that once they reach a level place, they should remain aware of that bad path and never traverse it again. Even if the good deeds of human beings amount to as little as a strand of hair or a grain of sand, I will gradually liberate them. I hope that the world honored one will not be concerned about things in the future. The Buddha Excellent, excellent. I will help you with this work you so willingly undertake. Since you keep making extensive vows to save all beings repeatedly throughout eons, what further worries should I have? Well, in paintings and statues, this is Cassidy Garba on loan uh, through Laura from... Um, Rowan, Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba is portrayed as an old man dressed as a simple monk, barefoot with a shaved head. Sometimes he has a little dog in tow. So unlike the other Bodhisattvas who are portrayed as Indian royalty, Kasidi Garba is um, depicted quite humble. It's interesting that the word humble comes from the Latin word that means of the earth. So to be humble means to be well grounded. Although in our culture, humility is often seen as a sign of weakness, Kasidi Garba shows us by who he is and what he does that humility is a sign of inner strength, self-acceptance, honesty, 
and compassion. Kasidi Garba doesn't pretend to be that he is more than or other than who he truly is. In his left hand, you'll notice that he holds a wish-fulfilling jewel to light up the darkness. In his right hand, a staff which he uses to alert insects and small animals of his approach. He don't want to accidentally hurt them. He also uses the staff to for, force open the gates of hell. On his pilgrim staff are six rings, which symbolize Manjushri's six Prajnaparamita teachings. These six also symbolize the six realms of existence. Although the six realms of existence is a Buddhist mythological classification system, it pretty well describes the different psychological and mental states of mind we find ourselves in. We experience most of the six realms daily. It's our thoughts and words and actions that send us to the hell realm, the realm of the hungry ghosts, the animal realm, the human realm, demigod realm, and the realm of the gods. Because there is suffering in each realm, that's where we find Bodhisattva Kasidigarbha. The six realms, like all phenomena, bear the bark of emptiness, as Avalokita put it. No realm is solid or permanent or independent, but because it's easier, we'll look at them separately. First, the hell realm. The Buddha said, when the average person makes an assertion to affect that there is a place called hell, it's a statement which is false and without basis. The word hell is a term for painful sensations. The hell realm is one we enter into, actually one we create ourselves, when our mind struggles against something real, or imagined. You find yourself in the hell realm when you worry, when you look for revenge, when you're anxious, agitated, annoyed, when you think that the people who don't agree with you are your enemies. You're in the hell realm when you can't give or forgive. When you kill living beings or their ideas, confidence, hopes. You're in the hell realm when you take something that's not freely given. When you use your sexual energy to harm yourself or others. When you lie gossip, exaggerate, when you consume toxins. 
The hell realm is characterized by anger and aggression. The only way you know how to deal with people or things that make you angry is to be aggressive. If friends try to comfort you or ease your pain, you drive them away with all that love and compassion and kindness. You prefer the company of others who are as angry and aggressive as you. These days, many of us find ourselves in the hell realm because of politics. Those of us on the left don't interact much with folks on the right, and we don't want to. We only watch PBS, listen to NPR, and we verbally attack the folks on the right. And those of us on the right don't know many folks on the left, and we don't want to. We only watch Fox News, listen to Rush Limbaugh and Laura Ingram, and we verbally attack the folks on the left. Because we don't get to know each other personally, we see stereotypes instead of people, and we are bewildered and angry about their ignorance. That's the hell realm. The hungry ghost realm is characterized by restlessness, craving, strong desires, attachment, and frustration. You dwell in the hungry ghost realm when you grasp for or greedy for more, more food, drink, sex, wealth, power, joy, friends, time, but you never feel satisfied because more is never enough. You're always looking outside yourself for the new thing to satisfy your cravings, new people, new places, new stuff. Since you're consumed with getting more, you can't really focus on anything else. Ty says when you live in mindfulness, miracles are everywhere, but you haven't seen any miracles. Even though you've stared at those dang white clouds and blue sky, Ty's suggestions. <coughs> Addictions, obsessions, compulsions are all characteristics of a hungry ghost who lives in a state of endless unsatisfied desires. If I just had more money, then I'd be happy. If I got married, I'd be happy. If I just got divorced, I'd be happy. If I had a newer car, fewer aches and pains, a bigger house, more freedom, more years to live, more support. Hungry ghost realm. You put yourself in the animal realm when you avoid the unfamiliar. 
new ideas, people, places. You enjoy routine. You don't enjoy surprises or change. You avoid discomfort, difficulty, even little inconveniences. You are driven by impulse and instinct, prejudice and self-satisfaction. You prey on, exploit others. You don't look beyond seeking comfort and avoiding pain. You are uninformed and content to remain so. Life for you is one-dimensional and survival oriented. You are dominated by your desires. You don't have the capacity to hear or practice the teachings, although you do show some signs of natural compassion. Sometimes sanghas get caught in the animal realm. We follow the same formula week after week. Even if the community doesn't grow deeper in the practice or seem to have too much fun, following the routine is easy and comfortable and familiar so the Sangha doesn't try new offerings. The animal realm. The human realm is characterized by passion desire, pride, and self-doubt. Enlightenment is within your grasp, but you don't open your eyes enough or have the courage or diligence to attain it. You are aware of and able to work with the five mindfulness trainings, but you're enraged that you can't actually follow them completely. You think it's pretty ridiculous that somebody devised a list of trainings that can't be mastered. In the human realm, you experience a mixture of pain and pleasure, ease and effort. You can be kind and compassionate, but you can also be judgmental, fearful, angry, impatient, the human realm. In the demigod realm, you feel strong, powerful, and superior. You don't have patience for those you consider to be your inferiors. You make sure that everyone knows that you meditate better and longer and more often than they. You have more spiritual books, though you may not have read them all. You consider yourself to be a superior mindfulness practitioner's practitioner better than any other mindfulness practitioner. You whine about the store being out of organic strawberries your microwave that takes a whole minute to heat your water. <laughs> your phone that's not the latest version. 
you're very competitive, which brings out your jealousy, envy, and fear. You have a full life, but you covet the pleasures of those in the God realm. You feel about them the way some animals feel about humans. You think you aren't getting your fair share. You feel victimized. You struggle to appear more godlike. Those who dwell in the demigod realm are like monkeys who have trained themselves to become humans. There's this ancient story about how some monkeys were so successful that they were asked to perform in plays. People would clap and shout and whistle at their amazing human-like performances until one day when somebody threw peanuts onto the stage and the monkeys quickly scampered after them, stuffing the nuts in their mouths. Their apparent transformation was superficial. Like the monkeys who trained themselves to be humans, you outwardly display wisdom and faith and justice and loyalty to the teachings, but you only look like, talk the talk of, a good spiritual practitioner. Until recently, I did not like to exercise but since I knew it was good for me, I started walking with a friend of mine, and I um, put a pedometer app on my phone that recorded my steps. When I got 5,000 steps, green confetti exploded on the app on my phone, and I was so happy to get my green confetti. In fact, on days when I didn't get my 5,000 steps, in order to get my green confetti, I would pace around the house until I got them. <laughs> well, I'm not bragging or anything, but I eventually accumulated 116 days of green confetti. I mean of 5,000 steps. <laughs> One day, a friend of mine and I drove to a park where we planned to walk eight miles that 5,000 steps comes at about two and a half miles. We were planning on walking eight miles, and when we got there, I realized I did not have my phone. <laughs> I could exercise, but I couldn't record my steps. I couldn't get my green confetti. So since that time, I've spent some time reflecting on my green confetti experience. And I realized that with some help of my friends and my app and some time, I've now really developed a good habit of walking. I've even learned to like it. <coughs> but now, if I miss a day, I don't have to pace the house for my green confetti. I can walk without my phone. I'm a free woman. <laughs> the highest realm is called the realm of the gods because its inhabitants are quite powerful. Though they're not immortal or omnipotent and they, they aren't creators or judges. When you're in the hell, the realm of the gods, 
you remove yourself from the confusion and messiness of life and focus on your own happiness. Your privilege blinds you to the suffering of others. You have neither wisdom nor compassion to offer them. You are obsessed with pleasure, including meditative bliss. You're so comfortable that you have no real interest in a spiritual practice. Whatever investigation of the teachings you do is motivated by the desire to hang out in this heavenly realm. You are addicted to pleasure, are self-absorbed, and are filled with pride. Bodhisattva Kasiti Garba teaches that if we understand and put into practice the wisdom Prajnaparamita teachings of Manjushri, Avalokita's Prajnaparamita compassion teachings, and Samatamhadra's concrete practices of Prajnaparamita, we can free ourselves from the six realms of existence. But freeing ourselves is just the beginning. As bodhisattvas in training, we look for ways to help Bodhisattva Kasiti Garba keep his vow to save all beings, including the difficult ones. The Dalai Lama said, although I am a Buddhist monk, I am skeptical that prayers alone will achieve world peace. We need instead to be enthusiastic and self-confident in taking action. And Tai says, we take action, not because the Buddha said so, but because our heart recognizes a deep truth and we feel we must devote all of our energy to the action. Inspired and guided by the lives and teachings of the bodhisattvas and embracing the bodhisattvas within, our hearts naturally yearn to be of benefit to others. So we pack our bags with our own experiences and doubts and confidence and love and determination with understanding and compassion, and we go where there is suffering. Like Bodhisattva Kasiti Garba, we look for ways to bring light, hope, and relief to beings who are suffering. People in refugee and detention camps and jails, to migrants caught between borders, to people in hospitals, nursing homes, hospice centers to homeless and hopeless people. We go to help people who are suffering from poverty, hunger, and poor health, to work for safety in our schools, churches, workplaces, and other public places, and to help people who are suffering at home. We look for ways to bring freedom and ease to animals and forests and the air, the soil, bodies of water. Like Kasiti Garba, Bodhisattva, Earth Store, we vow to help liberate our earth 
and all beings who call her mother. Each of us, as bodhisattvas in training, as students of the Bodhisattva Kasiti Garbha, can do, must do, something for others. Some of us will decide to spend more time and effort training ourselves in the practices of understanding, compassion, openness, inclusivity, and generosity so that our lives can be of benefit to our family and friends in society. Some of us will find ways to bring the teachings to our place of work. Some of us will write letters to our president or to people in Congress or the NRA or to companies that are harming living beings or contributing to the suffering of our earth. Some of us will make donations or help raise money for organizations that help people, animals, plants, and minerals. Some of us will volunteer for political campaigns that share the values of the bodhisattvas. Some of us will walk dogs at the Humane Society, plant trees or clean the parks, work to educate people about ways to help conserve scarce resources, inspire others by using social media to send messages of love, understanding, kindness, and equanimity. Those of us who are activists will organize peaceful demonstrations or other actions of peace. Some of us will offer music or poetry, beautiful works of art, are inspiring stories. Others of us will organize and or attend compassionate meditations, days of mindfulness, retreats, and other sangha gatherings. Martha Postlewaite, in her poem, Clearing, offers advice about how to get started in our Kasidi Garba practice. She says, Do not try to save the whole world or do anything grandiose. Instead, create a clearing in the deep forest of your life and wait there patiently until the song that is your life falls into your own cupped hands and you recognize it and greet it. <clears throat> Only then will you know how to give yourself to this world so worthy of rescue. I offer you two stories of friends that demonstrate that the Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba is alive and well in their lives. The first comes from Sherry Maples, who many of you know who came here, I understand. She was a police officer when she attended a three-week retreat with Thai in Plum Village. She later became a Dharma teacher and sadly, as we know, was in a horrible bike car accident. In 2017, she died. This is her story. 
I was on a domestic violence call. There was this guy, and he was kind of holding a little girl hostage, not wanting to give her back to mom. They were exchanging custody. No violence had taken place, but both mom and the little girl were very scared and intimidated. Ordinarily, I would have said, that's it, slapped the handcuffs on him and taken him to jail. But, but I had just come out of this retreat, and something stopped me. So I got the guy to give me the little girl, took care of her, got her and her mom set, told him just to leave, and, and I went back to the guy. I just talked to him from my heart, and within five minutes, I mean, I got this big gun belt on. I'm about five foot three, right? And this guy's like six six, and he's bawling, you know? I'm holding this guy with, with this big gun belt on and everything, and he was just in incredible pain. That's when I realized that we deal with misplaced anger because people are in incredible pain. So I ran into him three days later at the store. This guy comes, he sees me off duty, he picks me up. Gives me this big bear hug and said, you saved my life that night. Thank you. When you have experiences like that, you start to realize it's about softening the heart. When you're a cop and you do this work, you need, you need to find a way to be able to maintain both the compassionate bodhisattva within you and the fierce bodhisattva and and know when each is called for and how to combine the two. And once you start down this path, it's possible to learn that. When you practice looking at people with the eyes of compassion, that kind of practice will become your habit. We're capable of looking at people in such a way that we can see the suffering, the difficulties. And you can see then compassion will naturally flow from your heart. It's for your sake and it's for their sake also. This next story is from a friend I, you may know as well, Larry Ward who is also a Dharma teacher. He says, When my mother passed away, I was on vacation with my wife and some friends in Costa Rica in a small village. It took three days to get back to Cleveland where she was, and by that time, she was already buried. My father was so overwhelmed with grief that after the burial, he went home and shut the door and wouldn't let any of the children in the house. So, over six months' time, I sent him flowers and love letters. I would go visit, and I'd sit outside the house and bring my flowers and put them on the porch. Finally, he opened the door, which was, to me, opening the door to himself. I'm certain that without the practice, that is not how I would have responded 
to the experience of, quote, rejection, unquote. I would have been operating out of the, my, if I had been operating out of the mindset of my youth, I would have just said, you know, forget you. Instead, I was able to understand what was happening to my father. I could see and feel his suffering, his tremendous heartbreak. I know that he didn't have any training in dealing with emotion. When my mother passed away, he had no skills, no capacity to handle the huge ocean of grief he found himself in. So my practice was to communicate to him that I was there for him, that I supported him, and that I loved him. But also, my practice was to hold compassion for myself and my family so that we could all go through our grieving process peacefully and at our own pace. That is the Prajnaparamita teaching of Kasiti Garba, the Bodhisattva of Great Aspiration. Our work is to cherish and nurture the perfect humility, understanding, and kindness that lives within us. Um, BK, I may have forgot to tell you that I wanted you to sing loving kindness. Loving kindness. On the pen, sing. Huh? No, what's that? Huh? Yes. I'm sorry. It's all your fault. <coughs> May I be? Uh, oh yeah. It's in the songbook too. It, this is the this is the uh, um, loving kindness uh, prayer to the tune of Amazing Grace. We don't have the books around, but um, Meta song. I want to see how you sing it, though. Maybe good. Oh well. Okay, good. The same version. So the words are may. So we start with I. Okay. I'm going to say the words first. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. <clears throat> May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be Happy. May I again. 
touch the earth or bow deeply to honor the life and teachings of the Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba and to recognize his wisdom within. You can please rise. If you put your hands in the prayer position. Invoking the Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba, I release the suffering that I've created for myself in all six realms. I release all of my real or imagined ideas I struggle with that put me in my own hell. All of the times that I've made my suffering bigger with my thoughts. All of my worry, anxiety, agitation, and annoyance. I release all of my desire for revenge, all of my stinginess, greed, all of my killing of beings, ideas, and hopes. I let go of all my aggression, restlessness, and craving, all of my avoidance, discomfort, all of my self-satisfaction, pride, passion, and self-doubt. I let go of all of my superiority, inferiority, and equality complexes. Please bow deeply or touch the earth. Dear Mother, with your energy, please help me to transform my suffering and become a Bodhisattva Kasidi Garba so that I can learn to be present where there is darkness, suffering, oppression, and despair. I aspire to no longer contributing to creating more hells on earth and to help transform the hells and other five realms that exist in all of us. I aspire to establish contact with anyone, including myself, 
who cannot find a way out of suffering. I aspire to bring light, hope, relief, and liberation to myself and others. I aspire to offer humility through inner strength, self-acceptance, honesty, and compassion. May I recognize when I pretend to be more or less than another and return to my natural bodhisattva kasidigarbha qualities. Please rise and then be seated for a few moments of silent reflection. Strength of your dream, the slowness to judge, your quickness to bless. Take them out, take these arrows out, take them out, take them out, take them out. Take these arrows out, take them out, take these arrows out. Recognizing the Bodhisattva Manjushri within you and practicing his enthusiastic wisdom means manifesting with as much joy and understanding as you can in your thoughts, words, and actions. Embracing the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara within means having the courage to practice concern and compassion and love for yourself and for all beings. Being Bodhisattva Samatamadra means not just studying, reading, and talking about the teachings of the Buddha, but giving the teachings life in your interactions with friends and families and 
co-workers and strangers and enemies. Acknowledging that Bodhisattva Kasiddhi Garba is alive in you means being humble, means not giving up on anyone, means being present for whatever arises, incredible pain, anger and fear, overwhelming grief and tremendous heartbreak, as well as big bear hugs and opening up to joy and love. It means giving up some of the ideas of who you think you are, cop, rejected son, and just be. In order to keep alive the bodhisattvas, Manjushriya, Avalokiteshvara, Samatamhadra, and Kasidi Garba, I invite you to vow to make one new change in your life. Focus on living one new practice taught by the lives and teachings of the bodhisattvas. Which one? Like Manjushri, do you want to be more playful? Light-hearted? Do you want to become more tolerant, patient, and inclusive? Less judgmental, critical, negative? Like Avalokiteshvara, do you want to expand your compassion to those who you now find difficult to love? Do you want to understand more deeply the teachings on interbeing, interconnectedness with all beings. Like Samatamhadra, do you want to focus on learning to better protect the physical and emotional lives of others? Learn to transform your anger? Would you like to become more generous with your time, attention, abilities, money? stuff, less stingy and more, less self-absorbed? Do you want to cultivate more kindness, compassion, joy, and inclusivity, the four elements of true love? Do you want to better use your words to inspire confidence, joy, and hope? in yourself and others? Do you want to give up some unhealthy habits of consumption? Find more simple, nourishing ways to be happy? Like Cassidy Garber, do you want to strengthen your ability to be more humble, less self-absorbed and arrogant? Help those who are difficult or inconvenient to help. I once heard a journalist ask Willie Nelson how he came up with his songs. Willie said, I just wake up in the middle of the night with a song in my head. Oh, the interviewer said, so you keep a pad by your bed and write it down? Nah. Willie replied, if it's a good song, I'll remember it in the morning. 
So please choose one of the teachings of the bodhisattvas now and take it home. And then in the morning, see what you wake up with. May the fruit of our study and practice of the lives and teachings of the bodhisattvas benefit us, which of course includes our dear teacher and all beings. <laughs>